Blog Talk Radio. Warning. You have entered the realm of the gods. So give us your mind and your full attention. So you say you deal with esoteric information? I never heard of such. Well, you're in for a treat. Blog Talk, Blog Talk, this is the Blog Talk. Eileen L. Bay dropping jewels every day. Blog Talk, Blog Talk, this is the Blog Talk. Metaphysical, we deal with the spiritual. Blog Talk, Blog Talk, this is the Blog Talk. Eileen L. Bay dropping jewels every day. Blog Talk, Blog Talk, this is the Blog Talk. Metaphysical, we deal with the spiritual. So you claim to be a god? Damn right I'm a god. The maker, the owner, cream of the planet Earth, father of civilization, god of the universe. Wow, I didn't know that. 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 So tune in or lose, friend. All strategies apply mathematically. The information he drop is real powerful. So get your notepad, it's more than an hour full. Watch your jaw, the crew is watching talk. Indigenous to the land, wherever we stand. First world order, we bring it at home in the first quarter. Invisible lines don't apply, we cross borders. Silly rabbit, knowledge for God. No matter what you resign, Mars, Temple of Mars. So don't fret or proceed with hesitation. Just tune in to Blog Talk to get the information. Peace. Hey, how are you, Washita'is? This is Brother Fahim El Bay filling in for Dr. Alim El Bay for the night. I'll be your host for the night, and our topic will be uh, some of the stuff I uh, touched on, or be a lot of the stuff I touched on last week at the Blog Talk Show about the Moors, Indigenous people, and uh, who is actually the Aborigine Indigenous people of the Americas, and of the world, actually. Uh, I'm going to touch more on, on that. And uh, because a lot of people talking about uh, uh, people being, especially our people being uh, culture vultures and the like, you know. But while they are the, they're the ones that are the culture vultures, if you know real history, true history, of our people, you know. And uh, this is what's going on. And a lot, most of our people don't really know that they are Aborigine or Aboriginal Indigenous people or Tosinous people of the world. They really don't know this. Most of the time when you speak to them or you mention the word Aborigine or Aboriginal Indigenous or Tosinous, they look at you and all, you know, they really don't know what you're really talking about because they have been so socially engineered and mind-controlled engineered to think that they're something that they are not. They think they're, you know, for a while they thought they were Negroes, and for a while they thought they were colored, and for a while they thought they were black. Now they think and they believe that they are African-Americans. You know, uh, name, they call themselves, uh, naming themselves off of two continents, you know, and so on and so on. You know, they're still lost. Uh, I heard uh, on one program I was watching is dealing with uh, was on Vice Channel, and this uh, mulatto brother, Moore brother, was uh, doing a lot of research dealing with different uh, what you call 
uh, uh, right-wing groups and what they deal with and how they speak against. It's a little bit of everything, you know, you know uh, speak against our people as well. Uh, one thing the uh, the Albion guy did say was very true, and he said that uh, our people have a serious identification uh, problem, and we do. He told the truth. Uh, he was right on the money with that. And uh, he said they're this one day, they're black one day, then they're African-American the next, and they maybe something else 15 years from now, and that is so true, you know. And we do have a serious identity crisis. Uh, but uh, the idea of being a Aboriginal Indigenous American or Aboriginal American or an Indigenous American, uh, our Moroccan, uh, Moabite, Asiatic woman or man, those are the names, those are who we are uh, dealing with uh, certain tribal nations. If you are a Yamasee, uh, that's what you are. You are a Yamasee woman or a Yamasee man or a Yamasee Moor or, a Yam- you know, whatever, uh, Lenny, Lenape, you know, meaning the nappy-headed ones. You know, there's no doubt uh, who who I'm talking about. You know, who else you know that uh, that fits that description, the nappy-headed ones. Uh, you're dealing with the Choctaw uh, tribal nation which I am, uh, Choctaw or the Washita Choctaw nations, uh, Choctaw meaning dark chocolate-colored uh, people. So who the that uh, description, you know, fits? You know, it definitely fits us, no doubt, without a reason of a, do- a, reason of a doubt, you know. Uh, dealing with things like people, uh, a lot of our people in general, you know, now they're so fixed on African-American, and they really don't know what, actually what they're say, saying when they speak those words or when they say those words, I know, I mean, put, put the words out of their mouths, and they, uh, <clears throat> and you ask them, do you know that Africa is a continent? Do you know America is a continent? You know, so therefore that, that cannot be a nationality. You know, Africa is a continent, of 20, uh, 54 different nations, of which 54 different nationalities, and also in each one of those countries, uh, there's 100 different tribal nations, which 100 different languages in each of those 54 nations of Africa. Then you have, so, I mean, so which one do you belong to? You know, just like here in the America, or America, North, Central, South America, and the adjoining islands, which is called the Americana. Uh, you know, you have different uh, uh, nations here. You have the United States of Canada, the United States of North America, the United States of Mexico, uh, the United States of Panama, the United States of Brazil, the United States of Argentina, you know, the United States of Chile, not just America of Chile, you know, uh, it, it, it's you know it goes on and on and on, and which languages do you speak in each of these nations? 
You know, you have the Portuguese language in South America, you have the Spanish language, and you even have the South American Portuguese language, you know, which is a dialect of Portuguese. You know, uh, you have uh, English, of course, which is none but high German. Uh, You have a lot of French-speaking peoples in Canada and in Louisiana, down south. Uh, You have... um, Spanish-speaking people in Mexico and Panama and so on and so on and so on. Then you have different tribal nations because originally there were 500 tribal nations at one time in the Americas at one time back in the day. You know, well, you know what happened to to some of them. You know, uh, when the first European had set foot on these shores, he spread a lot of his disease and famine to try to do away with a lot of our people so he can claim uh, the land. And this is why a lot of us had uh, a lot of us, our, our true identity being more has been taken away from us and they replaced it with black and Negro. Now today, most of our people commonly call either black or African American. That would be the norm for the two are people of color. Both of those three uh, terms that are commonly used today by our people and by the media and so on. And these are misnomers. You know, those those terms or those names are not who we are. You know, I already named the term, I already named the names of who we are. I already named the, name, the term Aborigine, which means the very first original people. You know, some people uh, say they don't say aboriginal. They don't say aborigine. They say they call themselves original. Okay, I have no problem with that. That's not an issue with me at all. But just me personally, I, I mean, when, you, when I say aborigine, meaning the very first original person, I just rather be the very first original. That sounds better to me. Now, this is my opinion. A lot of you out there uh, have a different opinion on that. Like I say again, I have no problem with that. It's not an issue with me. You know, uh, just don't try to tell me to say otherwise or to call myself otherwise, and we'll get along just fine. Uh, Some, you have some people uh, saying that they're not Moors. You know, uh, Moors is not a people. Moors is not a nationality, you know. They call themselves by their tribal name affiliations, which is good. That, 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 that's, that's, that's fine. That's beautiful right there, you know. But uh, uh, a lot of them say that and don't even really know what the term or the word more means. They really don't know what it means. They think it means black. They think it means it's a word that came from the Greek language. Well, the thing is, how the hell did it come from the Greek language? And the Greeks, uh, Greek, language, Greek didn't have any language. We gave them their language. We gave them their language. Our ancestors from the comedic mystery schools taught them language. They didn't have any uh, spoken language or written language. And when they got the name, when the Greeks were calling us, us those days, of the morning name more, they were going, and when they said it means black, they were going by a description of what Moors look like. And I heard one time uh, a brother said that uh, uh, 
uh, uh, uh, the uh, word Negro and more were synonymous terms uh, at one time. But what he should have done, he should have broke it down a little more deeper so that people can understand what he meant by that. More and Negro are not synonymous terms. and never was. Negro and black both mean the same thing. You can't say, you're just saying black in Spanish, or you can say Moorish Latin, the old Latin word. Negro is the old Latin word for black. Black is Middle English. The word, the B-L-A-C-K, black is Middle English. So our people were ancient people. So they wasn't calling themselves that. Couldn't have been. And you go further with the word black, you go over the etymology, uh, etymology of the word black, you, you go back into the, uh, the old, old, old High German with the word meaning blake, blegger, or blege, which means bleach, or pale, or white. That's the original uh, the meaning of black, of the word black. So therefore, that could not uh, uh, pertain to us, could not be our, our identity. And I hope a lot of you will follow me so far, okay? And the reason why I keep saying this thing, because you would be surprised that a lot of our people, a lot of our people still haven't grasped, still haven't got it. They still haven't been able to add two and two together. They still haven't been able to add two and two and equals four. They're still having a very hard time with that. If, if, you know, if most of our people, if you come to them, talk about the word more, aboriginal, aborigine, indigenous, indigene, or autochthonous, uh, or Moroccan, uh, Moabite, Asiatic, those terms. If you come to those, those terms that are still foreign to them, but all these words I just mentioned, now, those are the, those are the words who we are. Those are the words I use for our people. I never use the word black. You got some people that are, are members or have tribal affiliations of of uh, tribes that've been here for ages, you know, but still calling themselves black people. The black aborigines, no such thing as a black aborigine. They don't exist. Never did exist. Black indigenous people. No such people as the black indigenous people. They don't exist. You got people mention the word black Africa. Most people in Africa don't refer to their continent as black Africa. They don't refer to themselves as black Africans. Matter of fact, you very rarely hear them say or tell anyone that they're African. They will tell you somewhat along the line like, oh, I'm I'm from Kenya, or I'm Kenyan, or I'm Ugandan, or I'm from Zaire, or I'm from, uh, you know, Chad, I'm from Gambia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then they'll tell you what tribal affiliations they're affiliated with. And the reason why I keep repeating these things is because most of our people are still not getting it for the main reason because a lot of things that a lot of us talk about, me, 
uh, Dr. Eileen, uh, uh, and this uh, Kadira, uh, Queen Valera, El Bay, Taj Tariq Bay, Brother Abdullah El Talib, Mosi Bay, Brother Sabir Bay, Brother Grand Sheik Nature El Bay, and on and on and on and on and on and on, Sister Raj Mariah Bay, and on and on and on and on and on, you know, Sister like Sister Yafa Bay. And I can I can go on, go on down the list, but the reason why I, I, a lot of our people are not getting the message is because they are, all of us are not we are not on mainstream media or television. We have to get on mainstream, which I doubt they ever let us do. Not with this kind of information. People mostly hear us on YouTube, Facebook, you know, and internet things like that. And this is why a lot of uh, information that we are putting out here or dropping out here never really gets to the mainstream uh, populace. Therefore, a lot of our people still uh, remain deaf, uh, blind, and dumb. And you've got a lot of agents out here, I mean, many agents, honeycomb with agents, uh, 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 infiltrated the so-called... Uh, black liberation movements, they're working for the uh, co-entail, uh, they are co-entail operatives. They're keeping, you know, dumbing our people down. That's their mission. They're sellouts. A lot of these sisters and brothers will sell you out, um, you know, for a dollar. Sell you out, sometimes sell you out to, to the highest bidder. You know, they have no consciousness about who they are and who their people are, and they don't care. Participate in murdering a lot of our own people off. Just dealing with the Moorish Divine National Movement, you know, you have to be very careful even when you get nationalized. You know, who to trust, who, who you can trust to say they can nationalize you or uh, uh Produce uh, nationalization papers for you. You have to be very careful. I mean, some people say, "Well, you know, you you don't want to say who nationalized you uh, when you got nationalized, uh, or, or who, who who reclamated you. You know, when you first get reclamated, you know, that's to reclaim who you are." as an aboriginal indigenous people. And I want to start off reading here. I have a book here called The Mystery of the Omex by David Hatcher Childress. You should get this book. If I haven't mentioned it to you already, of which I believe I did, this book is called The Mystery of the Omex, David Hatcher Childress. The Omex is where a lot of the Washita and Choctaw and uh, other uh, uh, tribal nations are where we derive from, from the Omex. Okay? Take a dive into the, uh, the mystery of the Omex by David Hatcher Childress. Okay?
says, says, the mystery of the origin of the Olmecs. We can trace the progress of man in Mexico without noting any definite old world influence during this period. 1000 to 650 B.C., except a strong Negroid substratum connected with the magicians, high priests, by Frederick Peterson, ancient Mexico, 1959. The strange well of the Olmecs, the oldest and probably greatest mystery of early Mexico and North America, in general, is the problem of the is, is the problem of the Olmecs. Olmecs are now often referred to as Proto Mayans by academic archaeologists or Omens meaning inhabitants of Olmen land, as it is now being called. When one looks at the enigmatic cave drawings, the gigantic, perfectly carved heads, the trademark, frown, and the violent, militaristic look of the Olmecs, the emphatic question leaps to the forebrain. Who are these weirdos? as some ignorant purpose will say, of course. The strange world of the Olmecs is only now being pierced together. In their art, Olmecs are often dressed in leather helmets, have, braided, have broad faces and thick lips, plus broad noses, having a mean-looking expression, and could easily be likened to a bunch of, ang- of angry African rugby players maybe from Nigeria or Tanzania. While mainstream archaeologists assure us that the Africans never colonized Mexico or Central America, the average man looks at these statues and heads. Hold on here. Look at these statues and heads and wonders how academia can make such a blatantly wrong assertion, one that is startlingly unscientific at its very core, even though it is sanctioned by the hallowed halls of academia. To tell the masses of tourists and students alike that these were not Africans, one must conclude that these academics are blind, insane, or both. I would say both. I'm going to stop right here because when they tell the tourists this, that's telling them that between them and the tourists, they're the only ones that's got some sense. And the tourists are just a bunch of idiots, a bunch of morons. Because anybody, any fool of any any person can see that these were people of African descent. You can see that these were Moors of African descent. Clearly. It's not even debatable. You know? Those of you that have seen the old Mex sculptures of Mexico, those who have seen pictures of them, uh, I'm talking about, and I'm not talking about just the, uh, my Asiatic people, I'm talking to the European populace as well, and Mexicans as well, too, because this concerns them, because they are also Americans. 
Amer- Mexicans are Americans too. They are Moroccans. If a lot of you didn't know that, well, you know now because I just told you, and I just told you the truth. I don't lie to you. I don't waste my time coming on the blog talk show lying to my people. I don't get paid for coming on this show. Not one cent. But I love coming on this show and dropping the science, a little bit of science that I do know. Because every time, every time when somebody asks me or asks me, uh, I pop, ask me, can I learn a lot from you? I say, I don't know a lot. I just know a little bit. That's all. I have a little bit of knowledge. But what little bit of logic I did learn and do know, I do share with my sisters and brothers of the Asiatic nation first, and then with the record with, uh, with the rest of the nations of the world. Okay, let me go on here. What is fascinating about this enigmatic civilization? To us modern viewers is how they represented themselves. In addition to these showing Negroid features, many artifacts depict individuals who have Oriental or European features. It is therefore very interesting to pay close attention to how the figures are presented, how they dressed, the headgear they wore, the shape of their eyes, nose, ears, and mouths, the way they held their hands, and the expression, expressions on their faces. It is all wonderful art, and it is finest. The expressions and symbolism in the objects they hold are, are associated with seem to indicate a high level of sophistication and a shared iconography. What does it all mean? Who are these people? Were they were they isolated, villagers or strangers from a far away land? Excuse me for a minute. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that. It says here, the discovery of the Olmecs. Until the 1930s, it was largely held that the oldest civilization in the Americas was that of the Maya. The great quantity of Mayan monuments, stills, stills, pottery, statues, and other artifacts discovered throughout the Yucatan Peninsula, Guatemala, and the Gulf coast of Mexico had convinced archaeologists that the Maya were the mother civilization of Central America. But some Mayan artifacts were different from the main bulk of the artifacts. In subtle ways, one difference was that some carvings of large heads had faces, more African-looking features than many of the other Mayan works. Mayan paintings and sculptures can be quite varied, but the African-looking features seem distinct on Mayan. These African-looking heads often had a curious frown 
and often wore masks or masks or appeared to be a half jaguar, half man beast. Now I'm gonna stop right here. Had a semblance of a half man or half jaguar, of a half man, a half beast, like in the Washita language, in our tribal nation language. Uh, when you hear me uh, talk on, when you uh, hear me when when I first uh, present myself, when I come on the air, I say a how ete Washita east, a how ete Washita east. That means may my spirit and your spirit spring forth with the jaguar. So I want you, a lot of you, to think on that. What I just said. I repeat it again. Uh, when I say Ahawate Washita East, that means may my spirit and your spirit spring forth together with the jaguar. Okay, think on that. Think on that. All right. Okay, let me go on here. This procuring motive did not fit in with other Mayan finds. In 1929, Marshall H. H. Seville the director of the Museum of the American Indian in New York classified these works as being from an entirely new culture, not of Mayan heritage. Someone inappropriately, he called this culture Olmec, a name first assigned to it in 1927, which means rubber people. In Nahuatl, the language of the Mexica, Aztec people, most of the early anomalous artifacts were found in the Tabasco and Veracruz regions of southern Mexico, a swampy region exploited for natural gas, but in ancient times a source point for rubber. Ancient Mesoamericans, spanning from the Olmecs to Aztecs, extracted latex from the Castilla elastica, a type of rubber tree in the area. The juice of a local vine, a Palmia alba, was then mixed with the latex, to create rubber as early as 1600 B.C. and possibly earlier, it says here in the parentheses. Name for the people who lived in this area at the much later time of Aztec dominance. And some of you, if you look at some of the Aztecs, Aztecs, and you see uh, a lot of them had bushy, woolly hair. If you go on YouTube and look up the Aztecs uh, people, and a lot of them were of of, of uh, a lot of them uh, people as what I would call Moors. They were more people, or you would say Asiatic people. Okay, just wanted to put that out there. Indeed, the Olmecs are now credited with creating the ball game. I'm going to say it again. Indeed, the Olmecs are now credited with creating the ball game that played such a significant role in all Mesoamerica civilizations and the rubber balls that were used in the game. This game may be even older than the Olmecs, in fact. Ball courts in the Olmec Mayan ball game were popular even as far north as Arizona and Utah and as far south as Costa Rica and Panama. Say this again. Repeat this again. Ball courts 
and the Olmec Mayan ball game were popular even as far north as Arizona and Utah and as far south as Costa Rica and Panama, which is Central America. Utah is in the northernmost part of the of the United States of Northern America, okay? Before you get to um, Canada. According to the famous Mexican archaeologist Ignacio Bernal, Olmec type art was first noticed as early as 1869, but as noted above, the term Olmec or rubber people was first used in 1927. Naturally, a number of prominent Mayan archaeologists, including Eric Thompson, who helped decipher the Mayan calendar, refused to believe that this new culture called the Olmecs could be earlier than the Mayas. Not until a special meeting in Mexico City in 1942 was the matter largely settled that the Olmecs predated the Mayas. Say it again. Not until a special meeting in Mexico City in 1942 was the matter largely settled that the Olmecs predated the Mayans. The date for the beginning of the Olmec culture was to remain a matter of great debate. However, Bernal sums up this curious archaeologist episode in his book, A History of Mexican Archaeology. It seems, here it is, it says here, it seems barely credible today that except for a few isolated mentions, uh, studies of small finds or travels, such as those of Blome and Lafarge in 1925 or Weyerstahl in 1937, what we now call the Olmec culture, was totally unknown. It was, in fact, only in 1938 that the Smithsonian Institution and the National Geographic Society began work in the area under the enthusiastic leadership of Matthew Sterling. In a few years, they achieved the most sensational results by means of the exploration, albeit incomplete, of the Tresopodes and La Venta. Ordinary Manalis found in these cities and other places in the area to which Sterling was soon to add further equally marvelous finds from Cerro de la Masas, or Mesos, a site which is not Hold on here. A site that was not really Olmec to the finds to which I am referring to or caused a great stir in archaeological circles and threw up a whole series of problems of the highest importance for an understanding of the past. Perhaps the first of these problems was or to what day are we to assign the, this culture? It is a part of the horizon then still being called the Archaic or the Archaic. It is a forerunner of the Maya and other cultures and thus the mother culture of Mesoamerica as a whole. Or are we dealing with a, a late local of the written sources? Each of these obviously related questions elicited a different answer. The somewhat skeptical position taken up by Eric Thompson, the greatest of the Mayanists, in 1941, and many others with regard to the antiquity of the Olmecs was based mainly on his refusal to accept the very early dates ascribed to the stone inscriptions, as on Stella C. at Tres Zapotes in 1930, 
and to the possibilities that they might even antedate the Maya calendar. In effect, another of the basic changes in archaeological dating was the discovery that the Maya calendar is not strictly speaking Maya at all. Interesting. But was in the use before the first inscriptions of Oxetong was set up. The Maya therefore did not did 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 no did no more than elaborate upon it, refine it and make improve, improvements upon it. The initial date inscribed on the Stella Sea was or the Stella Sea was much disputed, but there is now a little doubt about it. Sterling theory formulated even before the discovery of the other half of the Stella is the correct one. This proved that not only that he had been justified in thinking of the date as very early. In fact, it strikes us now as being, if anything, too recent, but that the whole old man culture is earlier than the Maya. This was an anathema, anathema at the time because, as we have already seen, almost all the endeavors of the Carnegie and other institutions, North American in particular, have been directed towards Maya research. The consensus of opinion then being not only that the Maya culture was the oldest, but that all the other Mesoamerican cultures had steamed from it. At the celebrated meeting held under the ages of the uh, Sociedad Mexicana de Anthropologia in 1942 discussed the Olmec problem. The archaeologists, headed by Caso and Norgrewa, Nigeria, I'm going to kind of pronounce these names. Uh, <laughs> kind of bear with me here. All right. Along the Sterling and all maintain that the Olmecs belong within the Archaic, Archaic Horizon. Castle claimed that the Olmec is beyond doubt the parent of such other cultures as the Maya, the Teo, uh Tacklin, and that of El Tajan, 1942-46, Rubis Rubias held that whereas other cultural complexes share Olmec traits, this style contains two vestiges of, of elements uh, from other cultures unless it, unless, unless it be from those unknown as archaic, 1943-48. Okay, up, the, up these theories, and he did so because in the course of this work, Excuse me. On the central plateau with which we are already familiar, he has come across archaic figurines displaying undoubted kinship with Olmec types. Eric Tyson, on the other hand, thought that the Olmec was a late culture within that we have now come to call the post-classic. And yet the name Olmec, first used by Bayer in 1927 to designate to this particular art style has prevailed until today incorrect, though it may be. It is a source of confusion because of it is lifted from historical sources, which applied the term Omec to very much later peoples. In 1942, Jimenez Moreno, he has a Moorish term, Moreno, okay, cleared the matter of by showing that the name Omec probably refers to the inhabitants of the natural rubber growing areas, but even so, we have to distinguish clearly between the relatively recent 
bearers of the name and the archaeologist Omex, which is why he proposed that that these be called the La Venta people to make confusion less confounded, but the name given all at baptism was not to be shaken off, and this is one still used. This is one is still used today. Hmm. Okay. Now, let me read something here that says here. Connection to Africa. Says here by Ivan Van Serkima points out that the use by the omics of jade nose plugs, tattoos, and special facial adornment, odd hairstyles, and special gestures are further proof that the culture was influenced by and shared with others. Vis a vis African influence, Vince, Ivan Van Serkima says, and they come before Columbus. The destruction of African high cultures after the massive and continuous invasions of Europe left many Africans surviving on the periphery or outer ring of what constitutes the best in African civilizations. New facts that the challenge this image, such the challenge this image. A new fact that challenged this image creates such consternation and incredulity that an extraordinary emotional campaign is mounted by some of the most respected voices in the scientific establishment to explain away the new data. That drift of dynastic Egypt from Africa has now dramatically slowed. Recent archaeological finds have caught up with the myth makers. More and more, the history of Africa is being reconstructed upon the basis of hard, objective data rather than upon the self-serving speculations and racist theories about the so-called black barbarians. The Indians of this Espanola said there had come to Espanola a black people who have the tops of their spears made of a metal which they call genin, and which he... Columbus had sent samples to the part of the sovereigns to have them assay when it was found that of uh, 32 parts, 18 were of gold, 6 of silver, and 8 of copper. Real substance. The origin of the word guanin, spelled G-U-A-N-I-N, may be may be tracked down in the Mandi languages of West Africa through Mandingo, Kambonga, and Paraka, and Kankanka, Benbara, Mandi, and V, and V, and V, which have the form of the word Kani, which translated into native phonetics, which give us Guaman. Ivan Bernsertima who is an expert in African languages, showed numerous instances where the names, cultures, and rituals of the Africans co- coincided those of the ancient Americans. Important, important to Omex studies in his assertion that the Bambara werewolf cult 
whose head is known as Amantiga, head of faith, appeared in Mexican rituals. And Amantica, the ceremonies accompanying these rituals, Ivan Van Sertima says, are too identical to have been independently evolved among peoples who have had no previously encountered. The term talking devil is called war in Mandingo and war in Carib. He gives he gives as an example in the Aztec Mixtec language of Nahalto, a waistcloth is called Maxtu in the African dialect. It is it it of Malinka or Malinke, the same waist cloth is called Masati, the female lion cloth or loin cloth, as Nagua in Mexico. It is Nagba in the West African dialect of Mandi. Ivan Van Sertima says the Malinka the Malinka words meaning to smoke or Diamba and Deyimba. These can count. These these can account for South American smoke words such as Guipanabi, Demo, Traina, Ayima, Maypures, Jima, Cahiba, Sima, and Caberi, Schema, Baniba, Dejima, and so on. The Mandingo word duly to smoke, D-U-L-I to smoke, which also occurs in the same form in Toma and Bambari, and in the variant forms in Duli and Luli and Mindi can be found among the American languages, Carib, Arawak, Shabantis, Baniba, Akromen, and Jarira. The African word for banana runs through these American languages. Ivan Van Sertima mentions that early explorers occasionally accounted Villages with populations comprised entirely of blacks, or I may say so-called blacks. In 1513, Vasco Nunes, El Babor, another Spanish usurper, came upon a group of African war captives in an Indian settlement. He was told that the blacks lived nearby and were constantly waging wars. A priest, Fray Gregorio Garcia, wrote, an account of another encounter in a book that that was silenced by the Inquisition. Here we found slaves of the Lord, so-called Negroes, who were the first first of our people saw in the Indies. Ivan Van Sertima is a respected member of the academic community, so the isolationists are forced to respond to his theories, but they essentially dismiss him in a few sentences and never really counter his claims. The widespread use of Quizzo, including by the Omex, is simply ignored. Van Sertima is called an Afrocentrist by his critics, who assert that he wrongly believes that all culture, including that of Mexico, stems from Africa. While this is not his language, not, not his message, it serves as a, tri- a, a trivialize. Uh, it serves to trivialize his careful research. So they called him an Afrocentrist. <coughs> they call him the Afrocentrist. Actually, came from a lot of European races, archaeologists, 
and so-called uh, uh, scholars. So that's what actually where the Afrocentrist or Afrocentricity uh, came from. So those of you um, uh, sisters and brothers that called yourselves Afrocentrist, well, need to think on that again before you call yourself that again and where the word came from, okay? Another tack was to admit that though that these were Negroid features, but to assert that Negroes must also have migrated across the Bering land bridging during the last ice age. The mainstream argument for these so-called Negroes has come across the straits with other Siberian hunters. Circa 12,000 years ago is summed up in the book The Ancient Kingdoms of Mexico by the British archaeologist Nigel Davies, a critic of theories of ancient seafaring. Davies flatly rejects any theories of Phoenicians, Egyptians, Chinese, Vikings, Africans, or anyone else ever finding Mexico by boat. Yet, unlike some historians, he readily admits that Olmecs are so-called Negroes. His explanations of Negroid Olmecs in Mexico is interesting. In the book that Davies wrote, now this is what Davies, this is what this cracker wrote now. Insofar as Negroid features are depicted in pre-Columbian art, a more logical explanation surely exists that does not depend, that does not depend upon flights of fancy involving African seafarers. Negroid peoples of many kinds are to be found in Asia as well as Africa, and there is no reason why at least a few of them should not have uh, joined those migrant bands who came across the Bering Land, bridge that joined Northeast Asia and Northwest America for so many millennia. Small men with Negroid features were the aboriginal inhabitants of many lands facing the Indian Ocean, including India itself. I'm going to read this over again. Small men, they're uh, more likely they're talking about the Twa people. Small men with Negroid features were the aboriginal inhabitants of many lands facing the Indian Ocean, including India itself. The Malay Peninsula and also the Philippines, where they still exist today, one need to go no further than Manila International Airport to proof of their existence. Nearby stands the Museum of Philippine Traditional Cultures. Facing the entrance is a wall covered with photographs of unfamiliar faces in marked contrast to the typical Mongoloid Filipinos of today. Many of these are dark-skinned aboriginals known as Negritos who now live scattered along the east coast of the main island of Luzon. They mostly have thick lips and black skins. The waiters of uh, Ceylon are another of these Negroid aboriginal groups. It is therefore not in the least surprising that such elements should have joined the ranks of those, those early migrants who crossed the Bering Bridge before it sank beneath the waves. Their presence offers more logical explanations of Negroid features than any other. I'm going to stop right here. Now they're talking about the Bering Straits. 
Now, a lot of you heard that a lot of the so-called Native American Indians crossed the Bering Straits from Mongolia, China, and Siberia. From the Bering Bering Straits uh, uh, via to Alaska, to Canada, and down uh, to the rest of the Americas. When they first came to Alaska and Canada, they went into us. And they mixed in a lot with our people. That's why you find so many of our people with uh, so-called Native American features. I know my great-great-grandmother has heavily Native American features, and so did my grandmother. And even my own mother does. My own mother. She has certain uh, what you would so-called Native American features. Yes. There's a lot of proof that a lot of them had, had amalgamated amongst us. Matter of fact, uh, our people and the Mongoloid people from Mongolia that, that call themselves Indians nowadays, the ones you see on television and the cowboy western movies and all that, those are the ones we met. We and their people, those people and our people are the most, um, I would say, have mixed with each other more than any other nationality on the planet. I mean, yes, they mix with probably with uh, uh, Europeans, but they came, they were Johnny-come-latelys. They were way Johnny-come-latelys, more, I mean, way centuries, thousands of, hundreds of thousands of years later. But our bloods, their, their blood was mixed with ours, to the early on the earliest dates, the longest. So therefore, when you got to trace what you call the DNA, which I believe a lot of that is, is bullshit anyway, but when you want to trace uh, a lot of your blood lineage, they got to go back to the Omex or to the African people or to the African Moorish people. Let me move along here. Therefore, even if one accepts the uncertain uh, premise that Omeg art is based on the betrayal of true Negroids, this does not warrant the confusion of such uh, uh, people were Africans. It is perfectly impossible to find the individuals, no, it's perfectly possible to find individuals in Tabasco today who have faces not unlike those of the colossal heads. Those features also somewhat called the large stone carvings of the Cham or the Cham culture of Cambodia, another country that still has a Negroid Aboriginal population, and that's true because I've seen some of them uh, when I was in Thailand, when I was overseas. This is from my own personal experience. I ain't talking about something that I read in a book or something someone told me or something I saw on YouTube or, or television or anything else. It's something I'm telling you from my own personal experience. 
they do have a large, large uh, Moorish population in Cambodia. Okay. So while this argument is not unreasonable on its face, maybe some people on all of all colors did wonder about the continents in ancient days. It is far from convincing that the colonization was not affected from either direction by sea. Davies point out that it is perfectly possible to find individual and tobacco or have faces. Oh, I'm sorry, I wrote this already. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Why does it? Okay. Okay. Then it would only be normal that they would have married and had children, children who, of course, looked like them, as did their ancestors. Why does it seem impossible to mainstream archaeologists that ancient people would have traveled anywhere by boat. How does Davies su- suppose that the that Negroes got to the Philippine Islands? How Negroes, who presumably all stem from Africa, are populating such remote Western Pacific Islands as New Guinea, the Solomon Islands, Vanuatu, New Caledonia, and Fiji is very much a mystery of history. Well, I'm going to stop right here. It's not a much of a mystery of history. They didn't, a lot of them did not come from Africa. A lot of them was already the Aborigine people in those islands, on those islands. You see a lot of those people with blonde hair and blue eyes, red hair and blue eyes. And these are Aborigine people I'm talking about. Our people, our own Aborigine indigenous sisters and brothers. They're not Africans. That's why. That's like we here in America are Americans. We are not Africans. But you have a lot of our people still want to uh, look toward Africa all the time because a lot of it, uh, 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 through the history of our people, we have been lied to constantly on a constant basis. We have been dumbed down, socially engineered, socially engineered mind control for so many decades that most of our people still believe that they're African Africans. But our 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 history as as is here. A lot call themselves Afrocentrists or our pan our pan Africanists. I call myself a Pan-Americanist. That's what I call myself. I've already told you in other blog talk uh, lectures about America and the names and the ancient names of America. Amuru and Amuru. Amuruka. Al- Morocco, Al Moroccan, Moroccan, or Al Moroccan, which is today known as uh, being uh, commonly called America or American. Okay, let me move along here. Find out where I left off at. Okay, does Davy suppose that the Myriad Islands of the Pacific? 
were populated by people walking across ancient land bridges, while these experts are forced to admit that the Polynesians and the Micronesians colonized remote islands in the Pacific, many of them tiny dots of land thousands of miles from anywhere where they cannot admit that seafarers in ancient times could similarly find such huge continents as North and South America. In the same vein, it is accepted that Madagascar was colonized by Melanesians or by Malaysians traveling the entire length of the Indian Ocean to a remote corner of Southeast Asia. I mean, Southeast Africa, I'm sorry, excuse me. Yet it is denied that ancient seafarers with sophisticated navies, such as the Chinese, Egyptians, Hindus, or Phoenicians, could have duplicated such a feat. In order to sidestep such issues, a new tack has been taken by current isolationist archaeologists labeling anyone who suggests transoceanic traffic across the Atlantic or Pacific as a racist of one sort or another. This has been used successfully by the Mayan academics who maintain that it is a racist notion to suggest that Central Americans could not create their own culture and were influenced in various ways by other cultures. Yet it is not racist to maintain that other cultures were not capable of building boats and crossing oceans, that just as Europeans were doing two thousands of years later. Europeans didn't know how to do that to I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of years, thousands of years later. That's not racist. That is not racist. It is what it is. It is truth. It is true history. Okay? The puzzle has been put forth to all archaeologists to explain. Why do many of the old mixed features look so much like Africans? How can figures that look so obviously African and not actually be connected to Africa? Archaeologists like Van Sertima say that the Omex look African because they are African. The isolation must look elsewhere, and their explanation is that some American cultures look like Africans. I mean, some, I'm sorry, and some American Indians look like Africans because of certain genetic traits as mysteriously because preponderant. Any similarities of the Omex to Africans or Negroids coming via Asia into the Pacific, for example, from the Melanesian Islands, the Adaman Islands, etc., is purely coincidental. Purely coincidental. Guzo is a, uh, coincidental as well, and though it is a worldwide cultural phenomenon, statues found in this posture are not necessarily connected. Guizo, in fact, is Guizo, in fact, is best ignored by the mainstream academics. As no study of it is likely to help the isolationist point of view, when one begins to accept that the Omecs were part of some sort of sophisticated transoceanic naval empire, a time when the world was being explored by great navies, when the ancient sea kings ruled the earth, one can begin to accept that the posture of Quizo was part of this ancient network. Also, a part of it was strange customs of cranal deformation. But first, we must discuss transoceanic contacts with the Olmecs in great detail. I'm going to stop right here. You know, uh, 
a lot of uh, people calling themselves African Americans, and they're not Africans. Because the uh, reason why I say that because if you don't have direct family lineage to Africa, then you're not African. See, a lot of the I still believe that uh, the cradle of civilization began in South Africa because that's the oldest um, the oldest uh, skeletal remains or we can say uh, archaeological findings of uh, of what uh, you could say uh, like I say uh, skulls and uh, footprints and things like that, the oldest is still in Africa. Until someone come up uh, to me, any uh, anything different, or, in, or made any new discoveries, that man and had where that man made his or had his beginning here in the Americas, then uh, I would change my mind, or I would you know look at it differently. I would look at things differently. You know that uh, uh, but for right now, you know, you have a lot of our African seafarers from different African countries and nations had traveled across the Atlantic Ocean or traveled to Atlantis when Atlantis was there in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, where the Atlantic Ocean got its name from, Atlantis. Or before the Great Drift, or the uh, the Great uh, Breakup, or the Great, or before the Great Split, because Africa and the American Africa and the American continent was both connected together at one time. Most of us still don't have to realize that this is Africa that we are standing on right now. This is Africa. You take about four uh, continents, starts with an A and ends with an A. You have American continent, America, starts with an A and ends in an A. You have Africa, starts with an A and ends in an A. You have Asia. Starts with an A and ends in an A. You have Australia. Starts with an A and ends with an A. Except, of course, of Europe. Which is not really, not really a continent. It's just an extension of Western Asia. Actually, named after Phoenician queen, after a Phoenician Moorish queen, Europa. Uh, as some people call a black woman. Miss Norman uh, called her a black woman, which she is not, which is there's no such woman in any part of the human family. But I just said that, put that out there so most people understand what I'm talking about. Because most of our people are still stuck with the black. We are black and we are African Americans and people of color. Craziness. Still stuck with that foolishness.
It says here, Omen. I have found that most of us with any pretensions to a general knowledge of history have a pretty good idea of the broader trends of European history and some vague idea of the major events of Asiatic history. We may have some notion of African history, though this peters out, and after the Egyptians picks up again and Stanley and Livingston, Living, oh, sorry, Stanley and Livingstone, some or Livingston, some hazy ideas about the Incas, and even some most romantic conceptions of the Polynesians, traditionally grounded in fact and John Wayne movies, where almost everyone simply shrugs because it is in the pre-Columbian history of Mexico. Beyond a general consensus, the Aztecs were in control of things when the Spanish came, almost everyone draws a complete blank. Some may venture the opinion that Montezuma was the king of the Aztecs. Tez, or Cortez, or what it is, Pizarro, waited ashore. But few would dare say more, even in this lucky guess, as we are prompted by the halls of Montezuma, of the Marine Corps anthem fame, and by trade packages of the lands of Montezuma, revenge, which seems to be anywhere south of Miami. I know some of you heard uh, the Marine Corps hymn. I used to be in the Marine Corps for three years, so you know, from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. You heard this song before. It's called the Marine Corps hymn, and that's where they got that hymn from. Shows of Tripoli when they defeated the Moors. The bar, what they call the Barbary pirates, Cazares, over the Moors. Okay. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm here to like to tell you uh, we are American people. We are, we are of African descent, yes, but we are the are the first inhabitants here, as I read to you I read to you in the book by um, the uh, the mystery of the Omex by David Hatcher Childress, which explains in his book clearly that we were the first inhabitants. If we were the first inhabitants, then we are not are without reason of a doubt reason of a doubt that we are the Aboriginal, Indigenous people, autochthonous people of this land. We are. You know, uh, a lot of us still don't count. Can't, can't really get with that. Can't really uh, deal with that yet. That, you know, no, no, we're not the Indigenous people. You're talking about the Indians, ain't you? you talking about them. I said, well, look at them. And you read... Uh, the uh, Norwester's book, Dictionary of the American English Language of 1828, and he states that uh, the Americans, those are the very copper-colored people. But but uh, found by Europeans. Now the title applies to the European explorers. 
people well uh the European people used to uh call us copperheads, calling themselves uh calling us a derogatory term. You say you copperhead. Come on, copperhead, come on, copperhead. Instead of calling us among other other names like nigger, coon, darky, etc. And Copperhead was one of them. And then you look in the 1828 Noah Webster uh, American Dictionary of the English Language, it will tell you, 1828, it will tell you one of the various copper color races of people. So who are they talking about? You look at these uh, so-called Native American Indians, they're not copper color. That don't fit their description. So whose description do that best fit? It don't fit theirs. They look more like more like Japanese, Chinese, or whatever. I'm going to read some things from uh, Adelo's Children in the West. Adelo's Children in the New World. I'll put it that way. I'm sorry. Adelo's Children in the New World, Moorish History and Identity in the African-American Experience by Jose B. Pimienta Bay. Okay. I know a lot of you probably have this book. If you don't, you need to get this book. For you have to have this book for your library. Every boy should have this book for their library. Have a lot of information in it. Okay? Okay. It says here, This same 13th century Catholic monarch's description of the 8th century Moorish occupation of Iberia illustrates the obvious Africoid phenotype of the Moors. It is also apparent that the king, too, recognized the national name of the African invaders as Moros, Moors. The term Moros, M-O-R-O-S, is used today in the Philippine Islands. It is used today, and they call themselves Moros. They call themselves Moors. So anybody that have a problem with the term more, I always talk about, uh, I heard one uh, uh, chief, uh, tribal chief, nation chief here in America talking about the Moors are just a society, like the Masons. To show me, and that goes to show you right there, he don't know what the hell he's talking about. He's saying the Moors, we are like the Freemasons, we ain't nothing but a fraternity. Now the Moors are the Moors. We are we Moors are a nation of people. I already told you in previous uh, block talk first world order shows where the word term Moor comes from. I told you it comes from Mu. I told you it comes from Moru. 
And I told you uh, Maui, Hawaii is an ancient name for more. I done told you that. In the fourteen ninety seven account, we see evidence the medieval Europeans recognized that the domains of the Moors were far beyond the boundaries of Western Maghreb. Hmm. Means we were here. The Portuguese explorer Vasco da Gama spoke of Mozambique Island. Southern Africa as having Moors, Moors with a ruddy, healthy, dark red complexion and being well made. Da Gama also spoke of white Moors, which Davidson brackets as Indians, presumably East Indians. Duarte Barbosa, another Portuguese, visited the eastern coast of Africa first in 1500 and last in 1518. At Sofala, he says, these Moors are black, and some of them tawny. Some of them speak Arabic, but the more, but the more part use the language of the country. And when they mean as tawny, they mean as uh, uh, they 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 look European, but they're not European. They're Moors. Okay, they have heavily Moorish blood in their veins. Like you never, uh, you, uh, they don't even know it. You've probably seen a bunch of uh, Europeans walking around. A bunch of them don't know. Like I'll give you an example. Uh, take somebody, last name, name Morrow, M-O-R-R-O-W. That means she or he has uh, some more uh, ancestry somewhere down the line in their family. Somewhere. If your name is Morrison, M-O-R-I-S-O-N, that means son of a moor. That's what Morrison means, son of a moor, son of the moor. You've got some name, uh, uh, Moran, Morton, Morgan, Moor, M-O-O-R-E. Like the late actor Roger Moore, late the late actress Mary Tyler Moore. And other Europeans that are named Moore, M-O-O-R-E. Somewhere along the history of their family lineage, uh, somewhere, Moors were there. They have Moorish ancestry. You name, okay, you take the name, something like Bay, B-A-Y, or Day, D-A-Y. They replace the E with the A. Those are Moorish last names or Moorish titles, Bay and Day. I bet you, in your, I bet you my last bottom dollar, if you go back, to those uh, to those family names, you find out that those names were spelled B E Y and D E Y instead of B A Y and D A Y.
say like um, uh, the actor Michael Douglas, his father uh, Kirk Douglas. Douglas means be behold the more. That's what Douglas means, behold the more. So you see any European last name Douglas? Especially if there's one that called themselves uh, want to be uh, get uh, personal with you. You know, want to get so-called racist with you or anything. Hit them in their bloodline. Hit them. Hit them motherfuckers in their bloodline. And you will get them every time. Believe me, you'll get them every damn time. Your name Douglas? Oh, yeah. Your name Moore? Oh, yeah. Your name Day? Oh, yeah. Your name Morrow? Really? Your name Macklemore or MacPherson or Mac this or Mac that? Really? Hmm. What you doing with those Moore's titles? Let me move along here. Okay. I'm read this again. Okay. The Portuguese constantly used the term more to describe the Africans. They saw even their attire was consistent with that the Portuguese recognized as Moorish naturally. Complexions varied, but the Portuguese still recognized such people as essentially the same Moors, that they did not call these African people Negroes. Any well-traveled Portuguese would have undoubtedly known who a Moor was. After all, the Portuguese had sojourned from their native country, which was itself a highly Africanized kingdom with a long history of extensive relations with the Afro-Asian or Afro-Asiatic settlers that were the Moors. When speaking of the Moors of Zambezi, Angola, and Kilwa, Bombosa informs, there are some fair and some black. There are finely clad. The towns of Mombasa, Mogadishu, Mafia, Melindi, Zanzibar, and Pemba are specifically described by Duarte, Duarte as Moorish towns and occupied by Moors. Darte said that sometimes the Moors or Moros were Arabic speakers and Muslims, but other times they were neither. Darte said that the Moors of Mombasa were Tony, black or white. That's what a Tony Moor is. A Tony Moor is a, uh, of a European-looking woman or man that has heavily blood li- uh, uh, Moorish blood lineage. And their families. That's what you call a Tony Moor. Although they may look European, but they're not. Okay. At Melinda, they were both black and white in complexion, phenotype. Darte referred to uh, Mogadishu 
as a great Moorish town, which had people who were, for the, for the most part, brown and black, but a few are fair and color. There, he says, they speak Arabic. From such Portuguese accounts, it is clear that Africa's Moors possessed various ways, meaning various uh, complexions, H-U-E-S, various complexions of skins, uh, skin uh, uh, complexions or so-called color, okay? It should be obvious from these early Portuguese accounts that the term Moor was understood to be a reference to African-looking or African people, although Moor have also been applied to East Indians. My guess is that it is most commonly used for those East Indians with the more Dravidian dark-skinned features. The Webster's Third International Dictionary of the English Language helps to make my point. It defines nigger as an alternative of nigger, N-E-G-E-R, or niger, N-I-G-E-R, which refer to a member as an East Indian, a Filipino, an Egyptian of my very dark of, of of any very dark skinned race, usually taken to be offensive. You early Portuguese accounts and descriptions noted above also indicate the Portuguese awareness that Moors were found throughout the world and not just in Muslim Northwest Africa or Andalusia. Did ever, did anybody get that? Let me say it again. Because the reason why I'm going to repeat this again, when people uh, talk about the Moors, I want to give a history about uh, our people being Moors. They're always referring to uh, Northwest Africa and how the Moors invaded Spain and how, you know, this and that, how they fell in Europe in 1492, and that was the end of the Moors. You know, because they refer to those Moors as a specific group of uh, so-called black people, and that's not what a Moor is. We were, we are all over the planet for hundreds of thousands, millions of years. If the Washita de Dendermundia Moor Empire, M-U apostrophe U-R, Moor, These are one of the ancient names for Moor. This is an American indigenous nation. So therefore, it shows proof that Moors were all over the world for many millennia. Okay? Like most Europeans of the era, the English too understood the historic Africanity of the Moors and the various peoples and localities to which they were ancestrally linked. A 16th century English chronicler, chronicler, John Loke, offers a revealing descriptive of the Moors. Loke stated, The people which, which now inhabit the region of the coast of Guinea and the middle parts of Africa as Libya, the inner, and Nubia with with divers other great and large regions about the same where in old times called Ethiopus 
and Negritas, which were now called Moors, M-O-R-E-S. They were called Moors, M-O-O-R-E-S. That's what I'm saying. When you see a lot of Europeans' name, their last name is Moor, M-O-O-R-E, that means uh, Robert Morris, M-O-R-S-E. That means there were Moors or Moors on, they probably owned their ancestors at one time as slaves. Because our people not only own uh, other Moors as slaves, but they own Europeans as slaves as well. By the thousands. They enslave other people. Because when you want when you want to hear about so called black slave owners, they always talking about, yeah, they own their own people. But that's only half truth. They only telling you telling you half of the truth. We own and control other two. By the hundreds and thousands. At one time, a million. If you don't believe me, read uh, Abdullah El Talib Mosi Bay's book, uh, Volume 1, Moors and Masonry. This brother has done a lot of heavy, extensive research in that, in that work. Got a lot of his sources and information from all, a lot of them, London, England. From the Metropolis Archival Record Center, which is 72 miles long. 72 miles long of records, documentations, documents, archival records, nothing but evidence that can back his information up. He has over, over, more than evidence. No, he has more than over. Proof. I mean, you know, he has more than plenty of evidence. I didn't say plenty of evidence. He has more than plenty of evidence. And it cannot be disputed. This is what a lot of the your academics and your schools and your grade schools and your high schools and certain colleges don't want the people to know. They don't want the people to know that. Oh, yeah, of course, they'll, they'll tell you in a minute. Yeah, we used to slave our own. Yeah, they'll tell you that in a minute. Or they tell you that in a minute that so-called Indians used to enslave us as well. And we used to enslave some of them too. Like I said, we enslaved other people of other nationalities. No, they don't want that out, that we once had power over them as well as everybody else. Mm-mm. That they will never teach your children in, in your uh, history classes in your schools across the Union States of America. They will never teach that. 
that said there's more than overwhelmingly evidence of this fact. Do your research. Just do your research. Okay. Okay, move along here. <clears throat> Again, as we see extension of Moorish domain outside of the Maghreb, that means outside uh, of uh, uh, of the Africa of Africa or Northwest Africa, uh, outside of the Maghreb, Al-Aqsa means Morocco extreme to the west. Because over there is the east. So what are you talking about Morocco extreme to the west? Actually, there was no Morocco in Africa at one time. So who are you talking about? You talking about the Morocco, who they call or what is called today or known today as America? Says there, Loke speaks of Guinea, Central Africa, and East Africa as Moorish dominions. Other scholarly evidence place Moorish dominions beyond the often assumed limits of Northwest Africa. The British Orientalist, the Lacey O'Leary pervades a revelant and revealing etymology for the word Africa. O'Leary asserts that the term Africa came from Ephrakia, which was an ancient Greek name given to the province which lay next to Egypt. The province of Ephrakia now encompasses the modern states of Libya, Tunis, and eastern part of Algeria, up to the meridian of Bougie. O'Leary adds that the first or that the western land or, or the western land or Maghreb was divided into two districts. Central Maghreb extended from the borders of Africa across the greatest part of Algeria and the eastern third of Morocco and further Maghreb which spread beyond the Atlantic coast. With regard of O'Leary's reference to beyond the Atlantic coast, we can only assume that he means the West African coast. However, he doesn't specifically address how far beyond. A look of a look at many medieval European representations of Moors in art and literature revealed that the Moors differed in physical appearance about as much as African Americans do today, or I may say so-called African Americans do today. But one sees the artistic renderings of Moore in such looks of heraldry as those of Charles A. Fox Davies and James Fairbairn. It's evident that the standard of a, the standard for a Moor was often very dark-skinned and woolly hair. Shakespeare's fame Tragedy, Othello was indeed to reflect a distinct African man, not a Caucasian Arab, as so many European academics would later try to claim. The villainous 
uh, Lego, the literary creation of Shakespeare, Elizabethan era mind, says cruel, crudely to Othello's father-in-law. Even now, now very, now an old black ram is stooping, uh, calculating with your white owl, or even Rodrigo, Rod, Rodrigo's Venetian refers to Othello the Moor as thick lips in the same scene. African blacks have been the most cheated in Western societies about their dark complexions and full lips. <coughs> Significantly, early English history and legend also makes reference to noble Moors who carry the descriptors of so-called Negroes. Sir Palamides and Morian of the King Arthur, Morian, M-O-R-I-E-N, that is a Moorish term. Morian of the King Arthur myths are, are two such examples. Referring to these per- to those persons located specifically in Morocco, proper as Moors, the English traveler John Gray, John Gray Jackson provides an early 19th century perspective of the Moorish identity. Jackson says, they are the descendants of those who were driven out of Spain. They inhabit, inhabit the cities of Morocco, Fars, or Fez, Kinos, or Mekines, and Mekines, and all and all the coast towns as far southward as the province of Haha. Their language is corrupt Arabic intermixed with Spanish. Okay. Now, this is, uh, you know, uh, this is, uh, I'm giving you a lot of history of our people and why we should call ourselves Moors. A lot of our people think that still the word more means black. But I have to repeat myself again, 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 and again, and again. No, it does not. It means those or one who is attached to the land. A woman or man or aboriginal indigenous woman or man that is attached to the land, the waters, the lakes and the ponds and the rivers and the oceans and the high seas of the planet Earth. That is a more. More means land. Land means more. Got it? Okay. Now, we get into the uh, this, uh, section called Moors and Mexicans, because <clears throat> I spoke a lot on the Mexicans tonight, and you have, you see on the news where they're trying to uh, send Mexicans from this country, you know, but they are the true Americans like we are. 
they're the ones that are the foreigners. They're the ones uh, the money needs to go. It should be them. Because us and the Mexicans are the true Moroccans, are the true Americans. Okay. I'm going to read something from out of Moors and Mexicans. It says here, free white people, free white people, if there is going to be peace and prosperity in any civilized country, the government of that particular country or nation must not deny the people their right to a name and a nationality and must not suppress proper and pristine education. The people and citizens must be taught the distinctions and relationship between identity and status. Okay, this is the paragraph that says free white people. Okay, but I want to, but those that don't know who I'm t- talking about or don't understand what I'm talking talking about, uh, listen very carefully. Okay, as I read on, identity. Identity is the fact that a subject, a person, a thing, or an idea presented before a court or before society is the same as it is represented or claimed to be. It is able to be authenticated. Okay? Status. Okay? This is the difference between status and identity. Status literally means standing, the state or condition the social position, and the legal relation of the individual to the rest of the community. Status relates to the rights, the duties, the capacities, and the incapacities which determines the rank of a person or persons to a given class. It is a legal, personal relationship which is not temporary in its nature, nor terminable as the mere will of the parties of interest, or which third persons and the state are concerned. Civil mortus is a legal status and law term, which means dead in the view of the law. It is the social and political condition of one who has lost his civil rights, civil liberties, and capacities, and summarily accounted as dead in law. The civil literamortus status is heavily enforced and is often deceitful, veiled by U.S. demo politicians and their assigned and compromised community leaders as civil rights arguments and as racism. In full life, is the social and legal and legal status of a person or people politically continue in both physical and civil existence. This is that is neither actually dead nor civil or more truth. And full life is the opposite of civil death or civil or more truth. The United States of America, as a government, and the people who are part of it are no different than others in their obligations and responsibilities to keep the, the people abreast of. Hold on here. Of their right and their civic duties to themselves and to society, they must remain absent of a color of law, a color of law or a color of authority and shun a distortion of identity, of status and command, constitutionally enforcement. They are bound by and to the supreme law, just as others are, 
Unfortunately, the North American continent suffers from a massive number of politically handicapped natural who have and do endure such negative miseducation practices as to be socially relegated to poverty and to banal, banal legal abuses. Any natural person who have been part or present denied or limited in basic civil knowledge and responsibility should be made aware of the truth about the legal implications involving diversity and status in society. One of the greatest and most injurious misconceptions about institutionalized U.S. demo miseducation U.S. demo miseducation involves the taught and propagated fiction that human beings are, by natal origin, identified by colors. <clears throat> say this again: one of the greatest and the most injurious injurious conceptions about institutionalized U.S. demo miseducation involves the taught and propagated fiction that human beings are by natal origin, identified by colors. We, the real Al-Moroccans, Americans, will aid in clearing up some, because American Al-Moroccan is the same thing. Okay, it says Al-Moroccan slash Americans, okay? Then they let you know that Al-Moroccans is the ancient term for American. All right, let me, let me move along here. It says we'll aid in clearing up some of that Demo miseducation by exposing the universally by exposing the universally known truth about white as actually being a social status, cast designation of rank, and that is not legitimately a natal identity, which it is not. Okay, here we go. Free white people is a culture and status law term used in ancient and modern jurisprudence. We are aware of it being used in reference to the immigrating Europeans due to the albino complexion of their skin, but that does not hold as a legitimate identity. The connotative white <clears throat> white designation as applied to Europeans and to their descendants was due to the absence of melanin, and is only a political cultural fad which was initiated at Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, by way of the Knights of Columbus and Ku Klux Klan oath during the years of 1854 to 1863. <clears throat> the white people's social and legal status phrase had no like social application to the European immigrants prior to that time in history and cannot be rightfully, truthfully, nor correctly made to be applied retroactively in the chronicles of Northwest territories of the planet. The same retroactivity argument can be made in relationship to the contemporary black and negro man of strong brands coined by the European Dutch slave masters around 1779 and with the deviance coercively, coercively applied to subjugated indigenous moors for surety bonding purposes and for legal chattel manipulations for corporate state property economics. It says here, the following is the excerpt from Henry Campbell's Black Law Dictionary of Ancient and Modern Jurisprudence, 4th edition, West Publishing Company. All lawyers, scholars, professors, judges, and industrialists all are, are, are well aware of this information. So why is it, why is it absent from the schools? Hmm. 
Good question, isn't it? Why is that dictionary absent from most of your school, schools? Why do you have to go? Uh, why do you have to send off? Well, a lot of it. Let me see the third, fourth edition of the Black Law Dictionary. Most of those, uh, and definitely you can get the first or second. Uh, most of the, the, the those they will charge you uh, a ridiculous high price for these books because they know uh, how much the uh, what kind of information they have in them. And they know its value, but some of a lot of us may uh, what you call so-called luck in uh, and get the books online, and you make and get them make some like two hundred dollars or something like that, and some of them you may find five hundred to a thousand dollars. So you know, very rarely, very rarely, you may find them in a. Uh, somebody moved out of their home, and or probably or somebody died or some something, and left them behind. You know, you may run up on them like that. But these are very these are like I say these are some books uh, that should be also in every Moore's library, every Moore's library. Okay. Okay. Three white persons referred to in Naturalization Act as amended by Act of July 14, 1870, has the meaning naturally given to it. Well, when first used in Statute 103, case three, I mean C3, meaning all persons belonging to the European races being commonly counted as white, and their descendants, including such descendants in other countries to which they have immigrated. Three white persons. It includes all European Jews, more or less intermixed with Celtic, Scandinavian, Teutonic, Iberian, Latin, Greek, and Slavic descent. It includes Magars, Laps, Finns, and the Basque and Albanians. It includes the mixed Latin, Celtic, Iberian, and Moorish inhabitants of Spain and Portugal, the mixed Greek, Latin, Phoenician, Moors, North African inhabitants of Sicily, Moors, and the mixed Slav and Tartar inhabitants of South Russia. It, free white persons, does not mean Caucasian race, Aryan race, or Indo-European races, nor the mixed Indo-European, Dravidian, Semitic, and Mongolian people who inhabited Persia. A Syrian of Asiatic birth and descent will not be entitled to become a naturalized citizen of the United States as being a free white person. I'm going to read this again. A Syrian or Asiatic birth and descent will not be entitled to become a naturalized citizen of the United States as being a free white person. Okay? Because you are already a naturalized person. You are already natural to the land. That's only to a foreigner or to an immigrant or to a pilgrim. Okay, and so we can see the observe that in law, white person does not constitute the real or true identity of any person or people, but as in fact and law, a legal status phrase which applies to many different nations, nationalities, and persons, regardless of skin complexion. Teachers and sociologists 
employed in U.S. Debo schools and in other Debo institutions which dominate North American society are very careful not to allow these facts to meet any appearance into the literature or curriculum of students under their tutelage. Therefore, what has been faked and alleged as identity, color, or identity? Complexion has little or nothing to do with true national identity, nor with the true or rightful status of any person or people attached to the human family. Thus, the alleged color of a person or people does not really address its diversity. Only nationality and identity does. Any controversy or legal status issues involving immigrants or immigrants thusly automatically presents the legal issue of diversity and by due process of law necessitates the clarification of status venue jurisdiction above all through national identity. Just like you're dealing with nationality, uh dealing with people um uh, uh, just like you see uh, what people would normally see, if you see a uh, a Moor that is a man, and you see a European that is a woman, most people will say, "Here comes a black and white couple," or they may say, um, "An interracial couple." Both are misnomers. You know, both are misnomers. That is, uh, that is not who they are. You're being descriptive of what they look like, but that's not their identity. You know, uh, what you will call them an international couple. Because both have different nationalities. They don't. You you don't. And I mean, I don't identify them by the complexion of their skin, or the phenotype, or the head, or the texture of their hair. I identify them by nationalities. One is a Moor, and one is a woman, or one is a European. Now, what is the exact nationality of the European? I one wouldn't know. He would have been maybe Irish, German, Irish, German, Russian, Polish, or what, what not, you know. The Moor would have been probably in any tribal nation. Could have been Yamasee, Lenin Lapi, Akitiwa, Chickasaw. The Chickasaw Moor, Yamasee Moor, Washita, Choctaw Moor. No, that is that is a true nationality. That's one of your nationalities, and, and that's what uh, where they say I have ninety seconds. They're getting ready to cut me off, but that's when you use that is the true identity of who we are. Because once one comes to this country, and one calls him or herself a Moor, they should be able to tell a whatever who comes to foreigner or whatever who comes to this country, either from Africa. Australia, Australia, or New Zealand. Well, they should tell them, be able to tell them, okay, you're a Moor. Okay, but what tribal nation 
do you belong to? Who, what is your tribal nation? Because that's what uh, a, a woman or man from Kenya, uh, Nigeria, uh, Uganda would tell them. I'm from Uganda. My tribe is such and such and such. I belong to the tribe of this, that, and that. The Moors over here should be able to say the same thing. You're saying you are more. You're saying that, yeah, okay, you're attached to the land. Okay. What tribal nation of land who you are attached to? So, anyway, uh, I'm about done out of time here. Uh, I hope I had uh, enlightened a lot of you. I hope I, I hope that uh, this has been an uh, inter- interesting lecture. I hope you have learned a lot from it because I try my best to really inform a lot of you, you know, or who or what you should call yourself or who or what you should proclaim or reclaim yourself to be and not black, Negro, and colored, and African-American because that's not who you are. I'm speaking to the Asiatic people. That's not who we are. We are none of that. It has no standing in law. None of those terms has no standing in law at all. No lawful standing. That's why you cannot get justice. You want to walk around with signs saying black lives matter. No, black lives does not matter. Because there's no such life as black. No black people exist in any part of the human family. You don't exist, so what do you need but rights? There are no such people in any part of the human family. That's why you cannot get justice. African-Americans, no such people as African-Americans. That is not a nationality. Those are two continents. There's no law or no justice for African-Americans. No such nation or no such nation called Africa-America. No such nation exists. Where's your African-American flag, your African-American language? Where's your black language, your black flag, your black nation, your black constitution, your African-American constitution? Do you have one? No. Do you have a language called African-American language? No. Do you have a language called black language? No. Do you have a language called people of color? No. They don't exist. As long as you keep telling the world that, then it shows you that uh, you are being in dishonor by by dishonoring our ancestors. You are constantly, every day, when you're calling yourself black, African-American, people of color, you are dishonoring your ancestors. A lot of you get mad if somebody calls you a Negro, but you call yourself black which Negro and Black are both synonymous terms. Just want to give you just want to give you to think about something. Alright? Think on it. You do the math. Okay? I'm getting ready to sound off.
uh, as I say to you, as, as always, the Wasamadakunda, which in the which in the Washita Choctaw language means peace family. Bawasamatsu means goodbye. Peace. I'm out. <laughs>